It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Boom, Miss Rusty. Well, I'm going to try that again. Boom, Miss Rusty. And we're here, and it is Tuesday, probably, as they say here. Um, I'm going to guess it is, but... um. Yeah, so we you know things and things and stuff and everything and you know that's how we do. It's Tuesday and we got we got some stuff going on. We got a cool guest. We got a special guest because it's Tuesday, first thing in the morning, sort of. Even though I've been up for six hours, but you know it's first thing in the morning. So you know what? I'm gonna bring him on right here, right now. Uh, I believe so. I I hope I'm going to. I hope I did that right today. And um, yeah, you know, that's how we're doing it because we got him right here. And it's Andrew Bradley. How you doing? Hey, Dan Rusty, I'm good. Thanks. Man, I think I did that right today. Um, and I, I'm I'm learning this stuff still. I so I had some uh, a couple of people ask me to put my uh, you know the entrance music, theme music, whatever you call it, on here. And I was thinking, man, I have to do all this in post and it's going to suck. And but then I think I kind of figured out how to do it where I don't have to do it in post because I don't want to I don't want to go and mess around with the stuff afterwards. I usually just go and just put it together and upload it. Uh, I don't put it together. I just basically upload it and it's good to go. So um, I think I figured out how to do that. And hopefully it comes through and it's not just a bunch of blank space like it was yesterday. So uh yeah so anyway um yeah that's that's kind of how things go here so uh where are you in the world i guess would be my first question i'm trying to remember this are you somewhere in the uk or was it somewhere yeah. near there no i'm right in the middle of the uk so as far from the ocean as you can get it's pretty dull and miserable today looking out the window but uh but yeah right in the uk across the pond yeah, just uh, yeah, quick little little swim, and uh, yeah, be over there. And so, like, how far is that from the the ocean? Then I mean, is that like three four hours or so? Or no, UK is not that big. I think we're we're right in the middle, and we could get to I think either coast, east or west, in about two hours. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, not... Funnily enough, I was I was looking at the I was looking at the UK overlaid over the states in the u.s the other day just for fun yeah because um, like we, we as a family we travel to florida quite a lot whenever we can um but um yeah and looking at it and like florida's like bigger than the whole of the uk and it's like jesus christ <laughs> they, they look at the scale of the u.s and it's versus the uk and it's just so so big in comparison you can't even comprehend it but yeah yeah Pretty much two hours you can go coast to coast almost in the UK, depending on where you are. Yeah, not a not a bad deal right there. So um yeah, I mean I was weird. I went down to uh in the Caribbean a few months ago and it was I was interesting how many people there were from Europe over there. But then I'm like, I guess that's kinda where you go if I mean or do you go like if you're going to go somewhere warm, where do you go? Where's where's that? Is there like a, an equivalent of that? Sort of like, I guess, Florida is here, but you go to Florida. So is there somewhere that you go over there that's like a, a Florida? 
or is yeah. it just you go to Florida? Well, there's nowhere in the UK. It's all pretty grim, to be honest. But um, you go right down on the south coast. You got like Devon and that. It's a nice place, but probably for about a month every year, it's warm and it's cold the rest of the time. So most people head to Europe, to Spain, France, that sort of place for for a little bit of warmth. But um, we actually went to Florida in October last year. Um, obviously got halfway across the Atlantic, um, and then the plane started turning. It's like, what's going on? Um, and we ended up doing an emergency landing in Iceland. Whoa. What ended happened? Up, well, basically, all of the navigation systems had just disappeared. So, obviously, we were on American Airlines, and we're flying um, top of the range, brand new plane. And, yeah, all of the electronics went, basically. Um, so they had no, they had to Holy shit. navigate back to Iceland as the closest place, um, sort of the old-fashioned way, using transponders and whatever. Emergency landing on on the airport there. Fire trucks driving alongside us. Ended up stuck there for three days. Because I'm going, I'm going to Florida, so I'm just wearing shorts. So ended up in Iceland, where with the wind chill, it was about minus four, and ended up stuck there for three days. Two Holy young kids. shit! And we didn't even get, I couldn't even get our luggage off the plane. So it was literally the clothes we were wearing. That was it for two days, and then we eventually Whoa. got our, got our, our luggage on the third day before. Eventually flying across, but yeah, that was a. You got your, your luggage to go and haul it back to the airport, basically. Eventually, but but even then, you were there was nowhere to go. There was no plan for this, so we ended up getting put on little buses and driven over over the mountains through a snowstorm until we got to this oh. mountain top hotel one night. And it's, we've we had like a two year old with us and a nine year old with us, so for them it's quite an oh. adventure. But <laughs> it was awful. It really wasn't a. A great way to start holiday. Yeah, you didn't get to see all those uh, hot springs and uh, everything else that I don't know what else Iceland has. I just know I know hot springs pretty well. The thing that uh, I think it's most famous for is the Northern Lights, isn't it? We get the green lights in oh, the okay. sky, and that yeah. that that doesn't happen often. You know, it only happens a few times during the year, but it was happening the night we were there. So, um, oh shit. I, I couldn't go outside. It was too cold because I didn't have any clothes. I literally had shorts and a T-shirt, and it was so cold. So I ended up staying in, but my wife and my, my eldest daughter went out and managed to see the Northern Lights for, for a couple of minutes before they come running back inside, <laughs> just wearing a hoodie, freezing cold. Yeah, shit, it's still it's, fucking it's cold. Quite, yeah. Not many people go to Florida and see the Northern Lights, so that was quite a cool little story. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think they said that the Northern Lights were – we could see him here a couple nights ago, but it was yeah. cloudy, so I uh, didn't see him. But um, so you went to Florida. What, what do you think of Florida? It's like, so... where'd you go in Florida? You go to Disney World or something? Or yeah, we stay around the Disney area and just do the, the very probably traditional Florida holiday. Um, we'll always get a, make sure we're, we're driving around everywhere and getting as as far out away from the some of the touristy bits as much as we can sometimes but yeah it was quite a it's just an easy one isn't it you got warm weather swimming pools and that and that's not something we we have over here at all so it's uh, it's good <laughs> yeah it's kind of nice having having that every every so often um yeah i mean i i grew up in uh in portland oregon which is basically a lot like how it is sounds like for you or it's like you got maybe two two three months of you know some nice weather and then the rest of the time is yeah gray and just you don't see the sun for 
you know, weeks. And it's like, okay, well, all right, this is what it is. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's cool. And then, so are you, I mean, so I think I, I saw a picture of you at a, uh, a, a soccer match, football match. Uh, was that, was that something I saw on your Facebook or something? Is Was it? Probably. I took a trip with a, a friend um, February um, over to Germany. He, he was really keen on going to see uh, some football, some soccer in Germany. Um, <laughs> so I went with him. And I've grown up my, most of my life, you know, as a kid in the UK, you, you grow up like in either soccer or rugby. Um, so what I were you? Like in soccer. I played rugby, but I, 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 um, my passion was always soccer. But over the last few years, that's just totally evaporated and I've just lost so much interest in it. So it was cool to go on the trip though and, and have some beers and, and, and take that in. But <laughs> my, my game now is NFL. I, I love football. So. Oh, well, yeah. how, how did you get switched to the NFL from, uh, what, what, what caught your interest with the NFL? So obviously you've got the international games every year. So, um, I went with a couple of friends, maybe I don't know, seven, eight years ago. They were going to one of the games uh, in London, um, and I went along with them. Very new to the sport, didn't really understand anything at what was going on, but thought it will be a good day out and, and loved the game. So it was the Dolphins against the Saints that day and really enjoyed it. And it just it just absolutely um, sort of grabbed hold of my interest straight away. So I was, you know, drunk on the train on the way home. I was, I was looking if there was any teams near me, and there was. So I ended up going and playing for a couple of years, which was, quite cool just just here in the uk which is still a very young sport there's not many teams there's not that much interest but it's what growing you play i was i'm a big chap so i was playing o-line oh shit okay yeah. uh how'd that go are you still doing that or no that just to be honest i ran it with family and work and i, I just couldn't commit the time to it unfortunately i think the difference is obviously in america you know i think i'm right in saying not many people want to say sort of leave school and college play football anymore do they? is it something that guys just tend to play up until maybe their early 20s and then stop yeah yeah pretty much yeah there's there's a few people that are yeah if they're not pro there's yeah there's small little something or others that people will do you know recreationally um but yeah i don't know if there's i mean and there's only so many people on a team and in a league it's only like you know, less than a thousand people, I think, um, totals. I mean, yeah, it's not a big, big number of people, but so was that, you said that was how recently, like a few years ago, you said. I probably stopped playing about four years ago, something like that. I only okay. played for a couple of years, but, um, but yeah, it was cool. It, it was really good to play. And, you know, since then I've become a massive Saints fan and my wife is a Jags fan. So that's been quite cool because she she's not into sports at all, but it's something where as I started taking an interest in it, she'd she'd be watching it and she'd be really getting into it. And you know, she's become as big a big of a fan as me now and loves it. So we actually when we were in Florida, we we drove up to Jacksonville um and got the game there in October against the Giants, which was which was pretty cool. So Oh shit. Yeah, that's uh yeah, get to go to a game I uh, in Jacksonville. So um well, what was that like? What was that like seeing a NFL game being at the, uh, I don't know what it's called, the, the Jaguar Stadium? That It's really uh, different. That, so when you, when you watch a game, 
in the UK when when the, the guys come across. Um, the atmosphere is very different because you've got you've got eighty thousand people in Wembley Stadium, but obviously everyone is you, every team is represented there. So you've got all thirty two teams have got um, fans there, and you haven't got like one really partisan group of supporters for one team. So it's quite a friendly affair. It's quite um, generic, if I, for want of another word. Whereas obviously going to a game in America is different because you've got, you know, everyone is there bar a few Giants fans. Everyone's there rooting for the Jags. So it's it's a really good atmosphere. I mean, we missed we missed almost the first half, but because we were late getting there, but uh, that was cool. Really good. So did you have any? Because uh... I don't know. Because like one one thing that's been interesting though with it. So. I've noticed this a lot in, in wrestling though, lately, lately, there's been a lot of that came from, you know, a lot of the, you know, soccer, football matches of the UK. And then even the wrestling over there, a lot of the, the, the chants and the, and it, it's been, it's been weird hearing it. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's different. It's cool. It's like, it doesn't, doesn't feel right to me watching it but um but it's different because i mean it's just something that's i guess new to me but uh I, you know i've you know heard it you know watching you know a lot of you know other you know matches in the in europe and shit and but yeah it's just it's weird that it's crossed over into wrestling now and it seems like that's the thing to do now is uh get you know, people doing chants and you know sing-alongs or what, I don't know what what the the correct terminology is for that, but it seems to be a big thing now. Because when I so when I decided I was going to be a good guy for wrestling, I thought, you know, what's what's the song that's going to make people go fucking ape shit for, and you know, just want to like have a good time and uh, and. You know what I chose then is not what I would choose right now. Now I choose something that's like some sort of, you know, has has some sort of chant or like, uh, uh, whoa, you know, kind of thing going on or something. I think that's what people are into now, and it's it's different. So it's just, I don't know. And yeah, like everyone, you know, have their own specific chance for each person or or team and uh and portland and portland oregon it was pretty cool they were they've been like they were a soccer city and like they're in you know in the states there's not a lot of team or you know places where it's a big deal but um before they ended up getting a professional team they had a semi-pro team for a long time and you know it was there was the certain section of uh the crowd where they you know they'd be doing chants and everybody would be really into it and it was pretty cool and yeah but now it's like everyone and it's uh it's really changed a lot of the dynamic of the whole stadium and i don't know i'm surprised it hasn't gone over into like american football like nfl yet i'm i don't know if it will i'm assuming that something like that's going to happen in the next year or two but so you've definitely, I remember 
you know, because I, I grew up when I was a teenager watching WWF and, you know, you didn't, you'd, you'd get the various chants, wouldn't you? But you wouldn't get sort of the sing-song-like element, whereas right. when WWF would come over to the UK, and I went to a couple of shows probably early 2000s, you'd have lots of singing and chanting, and it was different. You could see the guys in the ring reacting to it because it's so <laughs> different. It's a different atmosphere. Yeah, I, suppose, I don't know whether I don't know it's a European thing, something more, but yeah, people just like to sing along when when they're in a big crowd. People like to do that, and yeah, I think it just does make a different atmosphere, doesn't it? It does. It it seems yeah, gets everyone. Uh, I don't know. It's like a you know the the beach ball or something, or doing the wave or whatever. Is that yeah. the is the wave a thing? That, is that worldwide? you know the wave like yeah where, I'm, I'm not uh, a fan of it but yeah that, yeah that does happen you get that at the nfl games in london a lot that oh happen. shit really every yeah I'm, again i'm not a big fan of that but it happens <laughs> so what, what are the fans like that come to a, a game an nfl game uh in london like who who's come is it like different fans than that you see it at uh soccer football matches or, yeah, or is it totally. kind of the same sort of people or no, it's a different crowd. Um, truth is, if you go to a soccer game in the UK, most people are there for to enjoy the game, support their team. But there's always, there always has been an element of people that will go there, depending on the teams involved. And there's a sinister feel to it. There's, it's on edge, and there's, you know, there's, there's at least the threat of violence, if if not actually violence. That's always something that's that's happened in. In soccer, um, especially you know, you go back to the eighties and the nineties, it was, it was quite bad then. Um, and that look, that will never go away. But at the NFL in, in games in London, it's it's a really good atmosphere. You know, you've got, you haven't got like a really partisan section where you've got all the, all the fans from a certain team that have amassed in that area. It's all so split up. So you've got every jersey. You know, if, wherever you're sat, if you look around, you can probably see a team, a jersey from every team. Thereby, oh, okay. yeah, a lot, a lot of people travel from the states as well to the game. So you, you know, I've ended up speaking to loads of different people from the states before, um, whether they've travelled over or now living in the UK, and it's good for them to get along to the games. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's just a massive event. It's, I think that's why it's so good to a British crowd because you, you don't get the same level of entertainment and theatre with it. When you if you go to a soccer game, it's you know the players warm up on the pitch, the game starts, it's half time, then you have the second half and the game's finished. There's nothing yeah. else going on, you know. And even if you're not watching the game at an NFL game, you're just watching everything that's going on. It's there's there's so much to grab your attention, isn't there? Yeah, you know you get uh, you know people coming out during timeouts and stuff to do some you know crazy shit or whatever. Uh, cheerleaders or something come out you know there's there are any cheerleaders and uh, uh soccer matches uh that i've i maybe i've never seen a game where there's been cheerleaders um i think there was one team that did for a few years in london called crystal palace and i think they they had cheerleaders for a while but um i don't think it's not something that's caught on too cold yeah. everyone will be wearing a massive coat and jeans it's too cold that's a good point <laughs> so what was that game at Wembley? Uh the NFL one? Was that where they played it or did they play it somewhere else when they came in? Uh, it's always been at Wembley. Um, but now it's changed. So I think the only team that's contracted to play at Wembley is Jacksonville. 
Um, then there's a new stadium, the Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in North London. That's where there's, I think there's a, like a contract drawn up with the NFL now where for the next five, six years, something like that, there'll be two games there every season now. But, but that, oh. that, that, that's, that stadium's been built to have, uh, to especially designed to be able to take NFL games. So it's got a, like the, the grass field pulls back and then you've got the artificial pitch. Underneath. Oh, shit. So, so the, I think they designed the stadium so that it would be dual purpose for soccer and NFL. So it's all, it's all about money, isn't it? So it's a way of guaranteeing yeah, it, revenue. Yeah, everything is about money. So, I mean, uh, in a way. And so then, so when you were playing soccer or, you know, or even football, uh, were you playing on turf or were you playing on grass? Normally, yeah, playing on grass. So normally, ankle deep in mud. In mud, yeah. We're yeah. just in mud. There wasn't much grass at all. So, yeah, yeah all on that. Yeah, by the mid-season, the fields just torn to shit, and you yeah. know you got big puddles, and uh, there's a few patches of grass here and there. But yeah, it was just, it was weird because yeah, you kicked the ball, and the ball would land in a puddle and just sort of stop and <laughs> yeah, not spin me. around for a second, and then yeah, man, after going. Uh, you know, after the the match, just like going home and being covered in mud, pulling pulling big old things of uh, grass and shit off the bottom of your cleats, and uh, it's yeah, freezing. And but you know, it's part of the experience. And yeah, playing on turf though, it's nice, but it fucking it hurts. That shit hurts yeah. when you're you're sliding on that. It does. I think you're more likely to. To twist knees and ankles, aren't you as well? Because you just doesn't. It's not as forgiving, is it? As uh, yeah, playing on grass. Yeah, well, yeah, playing in mud. Yeah. <laughs> it's soft. At least it's soft when you land. Yeah. Right. Um. So. Let's see. So okay. So to get to switch subjects a little bit. So you are. Uh. Uh, sleep coach is that sleep doctor what what would be the so the I, terminology so officially I, I call myself a sleep and productivity coach um so basically i get and have lots of information about sleep and i could say to you rusty can you sleep? Do you sleep? And you'd say, yeah, of course I have. I've been doing it my entire life. And that's what people do. So years ago, when somebody first suggested to me that I should work with somebody to improve my sleep, my first thought was, I've been doing it for 30 odd years. What what on earth can you tell me that I don't already know? I go to bed, I shut my eyes, and then I wake up in the morning. It's simple as that, isn't it? Which, which on one level it is. Um. But for a bit of background on that, so I had spent um, probably at that point 10 years of my life sleeping on average probably four, five hours of sleep every night. Um, Is this after you had kids? uh, It started before kids actually. So kids wasn't actually as big of a factor as you'd think, but um, they certainly didn't help when they came along. But just through, um, you know, for a long time, I had a full-time job which sometimes I was working shifts, so I could be working 12-hour night shifts, 12-hour day shifts, mixing that up. 
and oh, then I'm a, and then also running a business with my wife, which we created. So, you know, I was working eight days a week. Um, it felt like yeah, and and not sleeping a great deal. You know, I'd even you know, the business at that point was furniture. We made furniture, so we'd I'd finish a twelve hour night shift sometimes. Then we'd get straight in the van when I got home, drive three four hours to deliver some furniture, drive back. Then I might sleep for two or three hours and then go back and do a night shift. But there's a I don't I don't know if it's the same in the US, but there's there's almost like a, a culture in the UK where you know if you sleep it's almost a weakness. You know, if you're at work, you want to be the first one there, the last one to leave. And there's this weird bravado about it that, you know, if 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 you try and look after yourself or get a decent amount of sleep or refuse to be at work for 15 hours a day, then you're almost weak and a bit of a pussy, which is just stupid. Yeah. It's yeah. just stupid. So um, we'd reached a point where we were sleeping so little and then kids came along. So then you're sleeping even less. And then we got really busy with work as well. And it was actually my wife got introduced to somebody who was a sleep coach and she started working with them. And she was like, this is, this is like so simple yet so massively effective for her so I, I ended up chatting to him a few weeks later and he ended up working with the two of us and on the one hand you're thinking this is so simple and obvious what you're, you're sort of telling me you're giving me lots of information but it's really obvious yet it's so effective so you know just there's there's so many things there's probably a thousand things that I could sit here and list off now that will affect your sleep tonight and tomorrow and the day after that but just by making some really simple changes and, and a, sort of applying that information to somebody's life, you can actually make this massive impact where, you know, you can, you know, if you improve your sleep, you're reducing, you know, potential health issues in the future. You've got less chance of being obese. You've got more chance of having better mental health and being happy. You're going to be fitter, healthier, happier. You're going to be a better person to be around. And, when you consider that, you know, when you sleep at night, that's your body's chance to repair physically. It's your chance to repair mentally. We spend a third of our life sleeping, but then sort of take for granted the sleeping part. Right. So what I do is I work with people or businesses and their, their, their teams to give them that information they need and then help them apply that to their lives. And it have massive benefits, really big benefits to it. Sure. So are people coming in, uh, you know, saying they can't sleep or are you working with that at all? Or is it just like they, they don't think sleep's important, important or what, what is it kind of more of? So this I tend to end up working with two types of people. There's those people that at this end of the scale that are really struggling with their sleep. So they might have a really busy job. They might work shifts. They might be an entrepreneur and have their own business. And, you know, especially when you're starting a business, you work so hard because your business is you. Even if it grows in time to employ 20, 30 people at the beginning, yeah. it's just one person. So you have to do everything. And which is where we were at when we you know, got some help. So it's either people that are sort of at the end of the scale where they're absolutely exhausted something's going to give soon and it's either going to be their body is going to break down um, or their business is going to fail. So 
it's people at that end of the scale or it's at people at the total other end of the scale where they might be an athlete or a really successful business person and now they're just looking for those fine margins you know they've they've had the success they've reached maybe close to the pinnacle of what they can but they're just looking for those small one percent gains yeah the real opportunity is the people in the middle but they're the people that don't realize that actually they could achieve a lot more they're probably quite happy maybe with what they're doing with their life and they feel okay but there's such an opportunity for those people in the middle to really sort of ramp up how well they feel how successful they are how fit and, and healthy they can be yet they're probably doing okay so they don't realize so yeah i end up tending to work with either the two extremes of people that are really really successful and doing well and just want to find those small little gains or the people that have reached the absolute sort of end of the line and are struggling so much so how do you find those people in the in the middle like the well, why, why why aren't they fucking coming like how do you like grab them and say, Hey, you fucking idiot. Come over and see me. I, you wouldn't say that you, you get someone like me to go and say it for you, but uh, you know, uh, you, you know, why, why aren't they, is, is there a certain reason you think that they just, you know, is it, yeah, they just are like, okay. And okay. is good enough. But I think that's what it is. I think okay. is good enough for, for most people. And, and that's not a problem. That's fine. Um, but I think just think the, there's probably a lot of people, I mean, this is, I fell into this trap where I had a job, it was a decent job, it was okay, and I could have sat in that for a long time and been relatively happy. And sometimes it's not until you see the other side of things where you realise that, well, I'm glad I made that change or I'm glad that I didn't just settle for okay. Because um, I think you go through stages of your life where, that's absolutely the right thing to do. Sometimes you have to stay in your lane and just do what you're doing and, and work through certain times of your life. And there's sometimes where you need to make changes and you need to push on. So I know, I know for my example, not that I want to be negative or, or tell a sad story, but you know, we went through sort of around about 2015 for three years, we had a really significant death in our family which had quite a big impact on us. So we lost, my wife lost her dad, I lost my dad, and then we lost a baby every year for three years in a row. So at the end of all of that, we're in quite a, not a bad, not a good place. We're in quite a dark place at the end sure. of those three years. And that led into um, a point where we, we kind of realized that, look, we either get a grip of how we're feeling and we start making changes to, be more positive and to create a, a more happier life for, for us or we give up and you know me and my wife we spoke about it and we weren't ready to to give up and just settle for okay at that point because you know I, I'll be honest I, I looked at my father and he'd had an okay life that's what he'd done it was okay but it wasn't remarkable um he had probably potential to have done a lot more with it, but he was happy with okay. And that that's fine. But I realized I don't want to be just okay. You know, he died younger than he probably should have done. The same for my father-in-law as well. And they probably could have achieved more. And I think they probably would have been more fulfilled if they had. So, uh, you know, we both, me and my wife made the decision that 
we want to do something more and not just settle for okay and, and strive for a little bit more. And it just so happened that the the chance meeting with the, the guy who first helped us with our sleep um, really became the the start of that journey of, of trying to do more and achieve more. And and yeah, so it, it wasn't just our sleep. It, we realised that we realised that it it changed our outlook on everything, you know, health and happiness and, you know, not actually chasing to have a really nice car on the driveway and, you know, to reprioritize about what's important and what's, what our goals were. Yeah. That sense. And, yeah. And so what was that chance meeting where you, you met uh, the sleep coach? I mean, what, what, what was going on? Were you searching on the internet, looking for someone to, to help out or do you run into him on the street or, you know, something that, you know, so it all, it all started was um, I said that my wife had lost the baby. So after that, um, she we'd moved house five days after we lost the baby. We we had to move house because we we bought a, a new place. When, you know, we would have moved in there a few months before the baby was born, but obviously things didn't happen that way. So we had this terrible experience of, of of that happening and then straight away into the stress of moving house less than a week later anyway after we'd moved um it was to a new area and my wife wanted to rejoin the gym so she went to this local gym really nice little place and um started going there and ended up becoming friends with the owner of there and he shared a, a book with her of a guy who um went on to become you know our business coach and friend as well and it was sort of that beginning of that, getting that book and reading that, it sort of opened up this different world, which is where we're at now, where we would want to, you know, not just be okay. Um, and it was just sort of through that relationship that we got introduced to this guy. And um, and like I say, my, my first opinion on that was, what's the point? I, I know how to sleep. I've been doing it for 30 years. You don't need to tell me anything, but... Yeah, but like I say, it all sort of panned out and we realised that there was a massive um, opportunity there to to change this one thing um, and have such an impact. But I think I said it before, you know, you spend a third of your life asleep, yet so many people never really think about it. You just shut your eyes at night and go to bed and, and assume that everything just happens. But there's actually a lot within your control that you can do that that can really influence it. And it's not just about the length of sleep. It's the quality of it is, is the most important, but. So, I mean, is that stuff you're doing when you go to bed or stuff you're doing throughout the day uh, or a combination of the both? It's a combination of the both, but your, your, your bedtime starts the minute you wake up. So from the minute you wake up, your hormones will kick in in your body, certain ones will get released and that's what makes you wake up in the morning. And if you don't set an alarm clock, you're still going to wake up at some point in the morning. Most people would anyway. Um, Mm. But you, um, basically what you do from the minute you wake up and the the way you approach your day from a mindset point of view, but from what you do when you eat, when you drink, what you eat, what you drink, all of those things build up through the day to – basically spit out a, a picture at the end of the day of that's what you've done. And this is where it sort of leaves your body 
Um, because you know you reach a point in the night where your body wants to shut down. It doesn't want to do um, anything. You know, it needs to repair, regenerate. Pardon me. Um, it needs to digest food. It needs to start doing all of these processes overnight that repair your organs and repair your brain and all these things. So if you haven't done the right things during the day, um, your body can't do those things. So yeah, it starts the morning, starts with the morning routine, finishes with an evening routine, and then there's a structure to put in place sort of through the day. But the most important thing with any of it, which I always find is that, you know, I could have a list of a thousand things that are optimal, a list of a thousand things that in a perfect world, that's what you do, but that's not realistic. So the most important thing is when I work with somebody is to get to know them pretty quickly and, you know, understand what their life is really like. Because the one thing I did find is when we were working with a sleep coach ourselves is that they had this wonderful um, bachelor lifestyle where, you know, they were at that point, they were single, no kids, no real commitments. All they were focusing on was business and living in Dubai in a beautiful penthouse. And it's like, brilliant. That's all good. You can do all of these optimal things because you haven't got loads of time every day dealing right. with children, running a business, having another job, all of these other things. Um, so all of the great advice they were giving never quite fit for me because we're still really busy and got so much going on. So one of the things that I think is so important when I work with people is to understand what their life is like early on and then make the advice fit. I think there's so much in the world now, there's so much advice and information available and people just try and take that advice and make it fit them. But that's not possible. You know, if you've got your own specific um, commitments, things that you have to do, you can't just expect to take something off the shelf and it just fits. So what I do is I will understand what people's challenges are and work with them to understand, right, this is the piece of advice here. How can I make that work for you in a way that is going to be realistic and sustainable and something that you'll still do next week? Because there's no point just saying, yeah, do this, and you do it for two days, and then you stop because you're not going to get any benefit from that. Right. So is consistency kind of key for this to at least for, you know, some of the core, um, you know, bits of the structure to have a, a better quality of sleep, or is it? you know, do whichever ones you can during the day or? I think consistency is key um, in anything. You know, if you want to improve anything in your life, if you do it consistently, you're going to get results, um, good or bad. You know, if you consistently eat crap, you're going to be unhealthy. If you consistently eat well, you'll be healthier. So <clears throat> I think that consistency is absolutely massive, but also being realistic um, you know, I've worked with people in the past who they want results now. They want to feel better immediately. Um, and then when you talk to them at the end of the first week, it's like, did you do this? Uh, well, I didn't do it for the third and the fourth day. Okay. Did you do this? Yeah, every day. Brilliant. What about this? No, I forgot about that. So you can't expect to, to get results you know it's like it's an investment isn't it anything is if you the more you put in the more you get out so if you're putting pennies into something you might get a few dollars out if you're putting 
hundreds of dollars into something in terms of your effort, you're going to get thousands back out. So it's all about the input, the, the better, the better quality input, the better quality output you're going to get. Yeah. And so what, what does your, you know, what's your day look like, uh, like average to be able to optimize your sleep? So I think for me, the, the, so the optimal day, and I, I will have um, sort of three different days. So, you know, for my morning routine, I've got the A game, which is where I've got just the time that I need and I want. <coughs> Pardon me. No distractions. Everything's going to plan. I feel okay. I haven't picked up the flu or anything like that. So, and then I'll have sort of lesser versions and that. So, you know, for whatever reason, I've got to be going out of the house an hour earlier today. I'll have a different version which allows for that. So the way the way I call it is I, I always have collapsible segments in the day. So you know, your yeah. day will be structured. You'll have blocks of time for this, that, and the other. There's things I'll need to achieve, different habits I need to make sure that I've ticked off as the day goes by. But I've always, you, for me, you've always got to have collapsible segments in there because the, the perfect day will, will never happen, or it might happen one one in a hundred. Um, and so I think it's really important to have things in there that, you know, my plan is that I'm going to achieve this today in, in that period of time. But if it doesn't, fuck it. It's okay. It doesn't matter if you don't get it quite right. Um, but back to your question. So my morning routine is a, the sort of the same key things every morning. So uh, you mentioned consistency. So I go to bed within sort of a 10, 15 minute window. I go to bed at the same time every night. Um, and then, because I've done that consistently over a period of time, my body now consistently wakes up in a, in a 10 to 15 minute window every morning. So I can't remember the last time I used an alarm clock. So I'll go to bed at between 9.15, 9.30 every night. And I will wake up between 6.15 and 6.30 every morning. And just because yep. that's how your body works. You've, you've got your chronological clock, your circadian rhythm. It will just do it because your body wants routine. It's what it wants cries out for it and it uses sunlight for that but obviously when you've got winter and summer the sunlight's at a different time but if you'll remain consistent your body clock will still um allow you to have that same consistent window so i'll wake up that time first thing i always do is um i get a liter of water down my neck as quickly as i can you'll lose about a liter every night just through sleeping just through breathing in your sleep you lose about a liter of water so um, are you in hot or cold water or warm water or what just room temperature for me, just room temperature, okay. water. Um, yeah. Then the next most important thing for me is light. So, um, you know, back to when we were cavemen, you, you, your entire day was set around the sun rising and the sun setting at night. And then the daytime you were hunting and trying to catch food. So the sunlight's so important. So um, always 20 minutes of light in the morning. If it's middle of winter and it's still dark outside, you can get artificial light. But it doesn't have to be anything particularly exciting. You know, if if you need to use artificial light because the sun's not rising early enough in your area, just the just any light, just get as much light as you can will trigger the senses and it just starts releasing cortisol, which is the hormone in your body that will wake you up and give you that burst of energy in the morning. The thing that's really important to miss in the morning is caffeine. So I don't know if you're a coffee drinker. Yeah, Andy, but um, I, I, I wasn't for a long time. I just got back into it, and yes, yeah, it's, it's it fucks with me. It's yeah. uh, yeah, 
it's it's good not drinking not drinking it in the morning especially if i do i like to wait like at least an hour and a half two hours before not definitely waking up yeah. hitting the coffee thing right yeah. away yeah exactly that so i was with caffeine avoid the first sort of hour and a half um and then usually you want to restrict that as well so you're not drinking anything beyond sort of 2 p.m yeah when you want to be stopping because you the half-life of caffeine means if you have a cup of coffee at four or five o'clock and i know a lot of people do before they finish work it's like oh, we'll get one last coffee you're just creating a problem for your brain because caffeine doesn't give you energy all it does is it just blocks the the natural stuff in your body that makes that makes you feel yeah. tired it just stops you feeling tired it doesn't actually make you feel any more alert but yeah definitely sort of mid-morning 10 o'clock till two o'clock is the window that i recommend for it's, caffeine yeah it's a, it's a good idea it's a good uh good time and then so you're going i mean yeah going to bed at the same time uh it's such a foreign concept when you're younger it's just like no i'm i'm gonna stay out i'm gonna you know party till whatever fucking time in the morning and then but now it's like okay i watch jeopardy and it's like all right i'm gonna go to bed now it's it's good now <laughs> but yeah and i'm waking up same time in the morning every day and yeah just how I, important it is to I, I i understand yeah so i think so on friday night um me and my wife went out we went down to london and we had um really late night we got back to the hotel about four four thirty in the morning you know and i'm like yeah this is what i used to do every weekend when i was younger this is great yeah. fucking hell the next day it took me about three days to get over it i'm still feeling the effects of it now because yep. you you get your body just you know the older you get so you can't deal with it the same but the the real interesting thing for me is the way i felt on saturday the day after I realized that this is how I used to feel every day of my life. When I was, when I wasn't sleeping enough and that I felt awful on Saturday. I was like, Jesus Christ, I cannot believe that I feel so bad because I've had one late night. But the more I thought about it, I realized that this is how I used to feel every day, Monday to Friday, every day of the week. I'd feel like this because I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't prioritizing it. I was prioritizing work over rest and repair but your body is brilliant at hiding that and so what it all that was happening is that my body was just getting used to it and allowing me to not feel the effects quite so badly so you know from a psychological point of view i felt terrible all of the time back then but my brain sort of masked it so that i didn't feel it quite as bad but looking yeah. back now, after one bad night of sleep, I realized that I used to feel terrible every single day. It's just that my brain was trying to hide it so that I could get through those days. And that was quite quite a big thing for me to realize that, you know, the impact that the changes that I've made have had um, now compared yeah. to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, or like, when was that? Like a week and a half ago, I think. Uh, I don't think it was this week. Yeah, it must have been last weekend. Last Friday, I went out. Uh, I was in the city, and yeah, I was up till like three, four in the morning. And I was fucked for like three, four days after that. And still, like, I think it's been you know nine, ten days, and I'm still starting to like finally recover and get back to a 
regular cycle. And I mean, it's just, it's important. I like saying with like wrestling, I mean, be like on the road, like get done with the show at midnight and then drive three, four hours and then sleep for like two hours in the morning. And then like, fucking go again. And I mean, like I was doing that in my mid thirties and yeah, I didn't realize how bad it fucked me up until, you know, luckily, I mean, luckily, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I busted my knee and ended everything. And uh, that was great. It was great. I didn't know it. I didn't know how important it was like just to get on to some sort of regular sleep. And it's so, I mean, if you're gonna, you know, you gotta know, what you got to do is you got to hit up Andrew Bradley and how are people going to hit up Andrew Bradley to learn how to do it? So the best place uh, you get more information, you can contact me is at the, the website, which is www.thesleep.pro. Um, and then from there, there's a link to my Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, but yeah, it's really cool because I've worked with guys in the States as well, um, both one-to-one and, also, over next week, I've a couple of small businesses that I'm going to do a little sleep talk for their colleagues via Zoom. So looking That's forward to that. And it should be cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. Hey, thank you so much for being on. Love to get and talk to you and uh, learn more about something we do a third of our life with, but very rarely talk about. So, yeah, I, I hope, uh, yeah, you know, get get more people sleeping well and, you know, uh, I don't know what whatever time it was like four o'clock there, almost. Yeah, four o'clock now. Four o'clock, yeah. So you know, you're you're past the caffeine point of the day. You know, getting to wind down. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully, uh, and yeah, if uh, you ever you know need to have trouble falling asleep, you can always you know put on some rusty diamond comedy, uh, <laughs> put you right to sleep, man. Uh, it was like Benadryl. Uh, so, but yeah, so thank thank you so much for coming on, and uh, thank you everybody for listening and you know that's uh that's probably close to something i bet because that's uh oh if i can do this can i just get right on that it looks like it's already doing that that is the show man right because boom It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. All right. Oh, I don't know how I get rid of it. So I guess that's the end. <laughs> so, uh, do I stop?